hopefully you or I feel ourselves starting to really attune to what is here for ourselves. Yeah. And we have a time, a block, no, really just to be here with that. So you know, I, was, I was reflecting this morning really on the fact that, you know, I'm here, you're wherever you are, in your own home, in your own place of practice. And what I would hope it does for each of us is really makes clear that you know, the waking up is here, wherever we are. Yeah. It's not somewhere else in some other time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't belong to somebody out there. You know, this is our own inheritance that comes you know, with being a conscious being. And to really check in, because this is one of the first movements in really establishing time of practice, that we're really in line with this sense that practice, this cultivation, has fruit. It is actually possible. It's possible for this being, whatever it looks like, whatever shape it takes, whatever has happened in its life, that here in this moment, we can be with the way things are. We can actually awaken to what is here. And also it has an, this understanding, doesn't it, that, you know, of right view, that cultivation, good action, brings good result. Now the web of that is untangible, but we can certainly, I can feel it in the momentum of my own practice, you know, sitting with you all, walking, you know, coming out of the usual demands that I live within has a result, yeah? You know, something starts to open more deeply, yeah? you know, So even in, on that level, I can say, hey, this is worth doing. Yeah. So to really feel ourselves sitting in the place of awakening. As I say that, I'm really reminded of Rumpo Samedo at Amravati years back, and he'd get so frustrated with people who thought they needed to go on long retreats or whatever. You know, it's the kind of thing within monasteries people can crave, particularly in really busy monasteries. And I remember being there, having come up from Chittas to help the community for a Vasa, I think, and sitting there and thinking, oh, okay, I get a sense what you're meaning them for. If, if I'm not here, yeah, if I'm not waking up to what is here, where else is there? You know? That fantasy of retreat is somewhere else. And not to say sustained times of practice aren't of tremendous benefit. But in this moment, I'm here. And in this moment, I need to be attuning to the qualities of the Dhamma, here and now, not delayed in time. Seeable by the wise. So 
it's a tricky thing in this world, isn't it? That we're we're so trained to see things are outside us. There's somewhere else. Other people have them. Yeah. They're about somebody else, and really to take full responsibility for our own hearts. Yeah. This heart's waking up. No, I have to take care of, and I have to trust in. Yeah. I have to trust in what means I'm sitting here and you're sitting there. Yeah. But whatever extent each of us has tasted, what happens when we come more deeply into presence? Yeah. And particularly presence with what is difficult. Because that's really where you feel the magic, isn't it? When you stop running and you're just here. Okay. Wow, this teaching is so compassionate, yeah. To have a path, a way of coming out of that, that running and hiding and kind of agitation of that and just rest fully in this moment, yeah. So this is what... When we sit, it can be you know, really helpful to reconnect with this primary experience of confidence in this practice. Even confidence within the doubt, because yeah? doubt is part of the process of things releasing themselves. That we know that if we can whatever extent we can bring the heart around what is here, something else becomes apparent. We recognise, hey, I'm not this kind of madness of the thinking mind, madness of the hindrances. There is actually some other thing that's primary. So to come to that, to keep with that, we have the sense of, you're staying within the refuges, the Buddha knowing the Dhamma. Not, it's not somewhere else, it's not some other time, it doesn't belong to somebody else, you know. This is our inheritance, yeah? Yeah, We are the inheritors of the Buddha's Dhamma. Yeah, so if we start a time of practice, really feel that me, what feels like me here? Yeah. Fully capable, yeah, just as you are. Yeah. You hear some really crazy stories of certainly, if you listen out in circles of people's waking up experiences. Yeah. I don't know if any of you have heard of John Ren Lewis. Yeah. He is dead now, was an Australian who was in Thailand, not even practicing really, but having some connection with the Dhamma, with um, spiritual inquiry. And he was drugged on a bus. And when he woke up, he had come into connection with everything. But clearly, he had set up the skillful conditions for that. And this sense of the, the world, the whole of its manifestation, what he called John Ren Lewison, that he was constantly just arising out of everything. Yeah. 
hmm, okay. So some physics teacher gets dragged on a bus, yeah. has this profound, unshakable realisation. So he then sought out you know, more connection with, with Dhamma and things to try and make sense of what had happened. But it really, to me, accentuates the sense of just don't know who you are. I was the same last night, or my last night, yeah? So let us come out of small senses of ourselves and really take up this tremendous teaching we've been given. And the importance of that is really seen within the framework the Buddha gave us of the Indriya and of the right view and the Eightfold Path, yeah? So I thought really just to because people have been asking about sutta references, just to reference one of my favourite suttas here. And some of you will be familiar with this, but it's a sutta from the Samyutta Nikaya, and it's called At Apana. So, I won't read the whole thing, but it's really a conversation between Sariputta and the Buddha. And he's really talking about that sense of how faith is established. And that when we actually have confidence in the possibility of the practice, then a noble disciple who has that faith will dwell with energy aroused for the abandoning of unwholesome states and the acquisition of wholesome states. They will be strong, firm in their exertion, not shirking their responsibility of cultivating wholesome states. Yeah, this is a faculty of energy. Yeah. If you looked on the Indriya, yeah, find all kinds of miraculous things. Yeah, so, this in Utah. So, if with that faith, yeah, Energy is established, you know, energy for the practice, for really cultivating the heart. And from that energy, mindfulness is established. You know, and with energy aroused, you know, they will possess you know, supreme mindfulness. Yeah. So we see the connection. You actually open up and start a process. Yeah. You know, oh, it's worth doing. This moment, it is really worth cultivating. Then, I'm I'm willing to really be with what is here and be very careful of the heart. Yeah. And from that place of mindfulness, willingness, energy, the mind gathers. So, samadhi gathers, one-pointedness of mind, and it has the freeing of the heart as its object. Yeah. So it's not about anything else than waking up yeah. and it's to really stay with that primary intention then the understanding arises yeah. from that place understanding and the kind of freeing up of the heart happens yeah. there are two things from the sutta that I think are really helpful just for us in this when we're now 
settled in and we need to keep sustaining you know, good heart with the practice. And when they have again and again exerted or strive, put forth energy in this way, again and again recollected in this way, again and again understood with wisdom in such a way, the noble disciple gains complete faith thus, as to things that previously I had only heard about, now I dwell having contacted them with the body, having pierced them through with wisdom, I see. This is their faculty of faith. Yeah? I find this incredibly beautiful, yeah? For two reasons. One, the sense of again and again. Yeah? This willingness to be with whatever chaos is happening and to keep establishing faith confidence regarding the heart, letting insight arise, yeah, again and again. And this is Sariputta talking to the Buddha, you know, again and again, yeah. It's not like it's just, oh, and we snap out of it. We have this, this unshakable commitment to waking up, yeah. Mind goes off. We understand what that's about. We're here. This is this is so critical, isn't it? This is about real kind of embodied love. We have a we've had some sense of there's a path out of distress, out of this ignorance and confusion, and we just keep with it, however long it takes. Yeah. Maybe like John Ren Lewis and something happens and we wake up here, or it may be that we just have to keep meeting whatever is happening. Who who knows how long? So in that sense there's time, but in other ways this whole practice is timeless. And the other critical thing in the sutta is something Mm -hmm. that sounds really radical, I dwell having contacted it with the body. So having contacted Nibbana with the body. What is the Buddha talking about here? And as in my practice, in my understanding, and you may have your own, that whole sense of contacting Nibbana with the body. And what that really says to me, hey, I can't think my way out of this. This is not an intellectual process, yeah? And it's really helpful to have that so clearly stated. This is about embodied work. It is about working with the energetic of the chitta. It's about actually coming into what is happening here. Coming from the the surface of experience into the depth. And that's really why in this retreat we're really picking up on this theme of breath, of life, of love. Because this is how we touch Nibbana with the body. This is how we free the mind completely up.
mind, heart, whatever you want to call it, this word, untranslatable word, chitta, yeah? So as we come into this time of practice, to really recognise, hey, this, this embodied process is biting. And that's why the breath is so powerful, because it really links everything, doesn't it? We can let the, the thinking mind rest upon it and deepen and quieten and go from kind of conditioned thought processes into a totally different way of reflection and inquiry that has been informed really by our understanding and our knowledge of the teaching. So there's a place for reading, a place for that process, but now it's to become embodied with it. Just like I'm saying I find the five indriya really helpful because it means when I'm sitting in meditation and the it doesn't feel like things have come into wholeness and through presence. I have a way of actually inquiring, what is happening here? Are these factors, are these factors being brought into presence? Have I really connected with how precious this moment is? This moment, the only moment I have, this moment where there can be waking up. Yeah. So really checking in there. Yeah. What I find, and I'd really encourage you really to pick up the original teachings of the Buddha, because you can find little things within them that really support your deepening inquiry that really resonate with what is happening for you. So I'm picking up what has real meaning for me and hopefully has some resonance with you, but also to find your own. Really take ownership of your inheritance, yeah? So over this time, as we're sitting, walking, standing, really feeling this, we come out of a kind of intellectual engagement though that can, in a way, steer us a little and we let it start to really become embedded. So what I thought to do is offer a short guided meditation just to settle us all together into this time of practice and we'll come into standing, walking, to stay with this flow of deepening presence. If you want, just establish the sense of the body comfortable, upright, fully present. So these gestures of meditation, the sense we get from the from the teaching of really 
uprighting the mind, yeah. uprighting the heart, uprighting the body, and really tune into the energetic of that. We're uprighting ourselves in time, yeah. out of time, just here, we're just now, with whatever is here and now. There is no other place to be. The mind is upright. Here we are, ethical. Meeting each moment with love, kindness, compassion. A sense of heart that can be trusted. And then physically we feel ourselves upright. That the energy body is free and aligned. So there has to be a lot of kindness and gentleness in that, doesn't there? There's no harshness or forcing. As I was saying the other day, it's not straightening up. It's actually a tuning and letting the energy flow. Feeling yourself grounded, held by the earth. Earth meeting earth. So we feel ourselves received, and we feel ourselves seated in the place of awakening. And we're tuning up through the body, really letting go of any tension in the small of the back, in the hip girdle, up through the back, letting the shoulders open and drop. And as you do that, you may find that suddenly the breath is available. And feeling the head, the back of the neck, just checking your alignment. Because the subtlest shifts can really suddenly make the whole thing come into flow. So there's no habit in this. It's like, at this time, given all that's been happening, where is the place of balance and wholeness? In the body, in the heart. And then feeling what is here, with a sense of friendliness. And really this understanding that's inherent in equanimity, everything belongs. What is here is in accordance with causes and conditions. So we, are, we have this moment given, and our attunement is in terms of response. What is needed? What is needed? for the long-lasting welfare and happiness of this being, other beings, of both. So we feel our practice one of connection, connection to our this heart and mind here and other hearts and minds. We feel ourselves in a field of practice, a field of waking up waking up to what is here in this moment. Just keep heart with this. Letting 
the breath be there, if it is for you, and letting this energy of breath infuse with life, with the kind of love of the whole cosmos for us, will be felt through the whole of the body. It's medicine for the sense of separation, disconnection, harshness. You can feel yourself treasured, precious, a waking up being to be treated with respect and kindness. The breath is somewhere the thinking mind can rest. So that experience can just deepen and become more full. We're really attuning to the rhythmic quality of breath as it suffuses the whole experience of body and heart. So the very edginess of that falls away. Rhythm, in breath, out breath. Maybe fine, it may be coarse. Just being with it and attuning to its vitality, the life of it. Here am I bathing in the breath all the trees around me, all beings everywhere. And I'm coming out of any contention with anything, coming into presence. Presence here, presence with whatever is arising through sense doors. Let us stay in this cultivation. So keeping the inwardness, the connectedness, let us transition to standing. Yes, so as we're sitting, once again, we're establishing a comfortable, upright position. Sometimes the breath out just sets the energy, really, 
equalize through the body after sitting. Breath out, letting the breath go down all the way through the feet. And once again, that sense of attuning, opening the mind, really coming out of the visual sense of the body into the internal energetic experience. Maybe you can really connect to the sense of the energy of the earth beneath you. The vast energy of the space, the sky above you. Here we are held between these two primary energies coming into harmony. Breath is happening. And once again, really checking in terms of the, the posture of the body that it has enough relaxation and openness. The breath and energy is free. We can really feel ourselves in connection. So we're not closing down, really gesture is of opening, receiving, being here, being here, the only place waking up is possible. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.